Hi, I'm Ray. Welcome to another Sunday podcast episode. Lots of feedback about the pirate radio stations I mentioned back in the 1960s. Well, I didn't mention them back in the 60s. You know what I mean. What I didn't realise, I, I tend to forget that when I'm talking, I'm talking basically about, obviously, Britain, the UK. And I tend to forget that a lot of people here weren't around in the 60s in Britain. And a lot of people... <laughs> don't live in Britain that are listening. You're all over the world. So, of course, when I go on about the pirate ships in the North Sea, Radio London, Radio Caroline, you don't know what I'm talking about. As Brent said, hello, Brent, nice to hear from you. He said he, he didn't know what I was talking about. Pirate stations, what's that? Basically, back in the, well, in the 50s, we had three BBC stations, BBC Home Service, the Light Programme, and the BBC Third programme. The home service was news, documentaries, plays, basically all talk. The third programme was classical music. That's all they did. Live concerts, classical music, records, all that. Great if you're into classical music. The light programme was light entertainment, light music, light entertainment, that sort of thing. Nothing, nothing for the teenagers, the youngsters. This was the problem. All we had as teenagers in the 60s, was Radio Luxembourg. Now, you couldn't hear that during the day. The propagation of the radio waves from Luxembourg to the UK in the day was sort of non-existent. You had to wait until the evening, till the night time. And of course, then there was a lot of interference, but it was something. At least we had something to listen to on the radio in the evenings. So what happened? What Was it Ronan O'Reilly, uh, Irish chap? He decided that what we needed was, in the UK, was a decent station playing music for the youngsters. To cut a long story short, he put a ship in the middle of the North Sea. The reason that they were in the North Sea is they were outside sort of territorial waters. They're in international waters, so they weren't breaking the law. I think that uh, officially they weren't pirates because they weren't breaking the law. They're in international waters. It was only when the UK government changed the law that they became illegal and I think by then there was uh, yeah Caroline Radio Caroline sailed uh, up the Thames uh, out into the North Sea into international waters and they were illegal because they changed the the law here the radio telegraphy act or whatever it was they changed it to make them illegal which was a shame but that was the idea we had nothing to listen to on the radio if you're in your teens 20s, 30s even, or 40s. There was nothing. No pop stations, no latest records, no charts, nothing like that at all. And of course, once uh, Caroline came along, Radio London, Swinging Radio England, Radio 390. Have you heard of Screaming Lord Such? Look him up. <laughs> he started a, a radio station. I forget, what was it called? It was radio Such, I think. Screaming Lord Such. He also started up a a political party that was the I think that was the monster raving loony party which I believe they all are these days anyway they're all monster raving loonies the whole lot of them but he's he started up this party unfortunately he didn't become he didn't get into parliament and become prime minister can you imagine that we've got the conservatives labor liberals and the other smaller ones and then we've got the monster raving loony party <laughs> the Prime Minister's screaming Lord Such. Terrific. I tell you what, they would have probably done a damn sight better job than this lot we've got in at the moment. So that's what happened. The pirate ships in the North Sea with their huge aerial masts, 50 kilowatt transmitters, pumping out there, as Caroline said, what was it, their love and music to, uh, to the UK. Well, and to uh, the rest of Europe. I mean, you could hear it, obviously, outside UK. It was terrific. Of course, more and more stations came along. In the Thames estuary, there are forts, these old metal forts, presumably from the wartime. And I think that's where a few stations set up their, st their gear. <laughs> so we were spoiled for choice. You could tune around the AM, the medium wave band, and there's stations all over the place. And of course, then people like me that were into radio transmitting and uh, shortwave radio, pirating and stuff. We set up our own land-based pirate stations. 
I had Radio Telstar <laughs> and I played the, the Telstar record as my theme tune. Uh, who did Telstar? Was it not the Fortunes? They did Caroline. Do you know, I can't remember. Who did Telstar? I'll remember in a minute. You're all shouting now. So, oh, it was so-and-so. It was so-and-so. Shame I can't hear you. I'll have to do live. Do you know, I was looking on uh, the podcast host place and I think I can do live ones. Uh, I don't know whether that's a good idea, though, do you? <laughs> because if I make a mistake, and I swear, you'll all hear it. I can't, I can't edit anything. <laughs> so we won't do live ones. So all these land-based pirate stations popped up from people's sheds, bedrooms, garages, out in, out in the field, back of cars, open the car boot, and you've got all the gear, sling an aerial up in the tree. And of course, that's when the, the post office, the general post office, because they dealt with radio licences and stuff. That's when they sent out all their pirate catchers. So on a Sunday morning, when we're all in the woods or wherever we are transmitting our music from our pirate radio stations, you get these GPO vans all over the place trying to track us down. And a lot of people, of course, did end up in court. But they were fantastic days. Tune around medium wave on Sunday. Apart from the pirate ships, you've got all us lot... <laughs> you got music all over the... Oh, it was just brilliant. Happy days. So the government, yes, they'd already bought in this Wireless Telegraphy Act to get rid of the, the pirate stations. Caroline carried on. Eventually they closed down. And what the BBC did, because they were all in cahoots with the government, you know, because the BBC didn't like... Hello, newsflash. Hang on a minute. Beer to be banned from World Cup stadiums. Oh, OK. Right, where was I? Yes, the BBC put on BBC Radio 1, which was meant to be a pop station. And it, it was all right, but it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same as the Pirates, because it wasn't legal, as I said the other week. Anything that's illegal is good fun. If you're going into a pub drinking beer underage, it's great fun. As soon as you're 18 in the UK, as soon as you're 18, you go in the pub and, oh, it's not illegal anymore. It's, <laughs> it's not good fun. The BBC tried. Um, they tried and failed, in my opinion. Everyone missed the pirate ships. The, the DJs were fantastic and the music had been fantastic. Everything about the pirate ships was brilliant. And they helped a lot of groups like the Beatles, Rolling Stones, all the groups, all their records were played by the pirate stations. And of course, people got to hear the records. They go out and buy them. So once they all closed down, all we had was the BBC. And then the BBC, in their wisdom, not, they decided they couldn't afford the, the copyright to keep playing records. So they had their NDO, the National Dance Orchestra. And they say, right, here's the latest one from the Beatles. I want to hold your hand by the NDO. And you've got some orchestra playing I Want to Hold Your Hand. Now, come on. You either play the Beatles records or you don't. You can't have... Oh, anyway, it was a disaster. And I can say that because I was a teenager in the 60s and I knew loads of other teenagers and they all said the same. Radio 1 was a disaster. I don't know what it's like these days. Probably a disaster. I said the National Dance Orchestra, didn't I? It was the Northern Dance Orchestra. And it was so disappointing. Let's spend the night together by the Rolling Stones. Yeah! by the Northern Dance Orchestra. I mean, <laughs> how could you? I don't know. I don't know. That's why it didn't work. As I said, I've no idea what it's like now. But there are still pirate stations today, normally on the FM band, VHF. They go there. But also there are a few on medium wave. You have a tune around. I don't think the authorities, well, the GPO aren't any, but the General Post Office is sort of gone. And it's Ofcom that deal with radio licensing. And Ofcom kind of, well, they don't bother to chase pirates anymore because no, no one's interested. They haven't got the resources. The pirate stations on medium wave aren't causing problems. I don't know about the FM band, but on medium wave, they're not bothered. If you've got some chap in his bedroom playing some music on medium wave, AM band, we call it medium wave here in America. It's AM, isn't it? Ofcom aren't interested in that, as long as the chap isn't sort of interfering with aircraft at Gatwick Airport, which no one ever did. Although in court, you know, you'd have the GPO saying, oh, now this could, 
This could interfere with important air traffic control. Rubbish, of course it couldn't. Nowhere near air traffic control frequencies. Anyway, there we are. They were good days. So that's what the pirates were all about. They came about because there was nothing else. For the teeny boppers. I was a teeny bopper. No, I wasn't. I was a hippie. Now, moving on to dentists. Don't worry, I'm not going to go on about my teeth. I said to the dentist, I've only got 18 teeth. He said, you're supposed to have 32. <laughs> 18 teeth left. I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, Brent mentioned dentists in America. Uh, Dennis, Ed, Frank, uh, Paul, Alan. Loads of you mentioned dentists. This is from around the world. Here in the UK, everything was National Health Service, as I said last week. The NHS, they did the dentistry, the hospitals, the doctor. You didn't pay anywhere. You didn't have to have any kind of health insurance or assurance. As Brent said, Obamacare almost came into the US, but it didn't quite take off for various reasons. So people that can't afford to have whatever treatment done, they just don't get it done. And this is what's happening here. This is why it's such a shame, because the NHS started back in, was it the 40s? Was it Bevan? I can't remember. You all know what I mean. I still haven't found out who did the um, the tremolos, wasn't it? Did Telstar? I must look that up in a minute. So we've had all this free health... Well, I say free. I mean, obviously, it all comes out of tax, income tax and stuff, and national insurance contributions. But you don't pay, you know, at the, uh, at the hospital or at the doctors or at the dentist. You just have all the treatment done. Whereas now... Most of the dentists here are only taking on private work. And as you know, from what I've said about my teeth, they're making a fortune. They're raking in thousands a week, I reckon. They must be. Oh, bit of Morse code in the background. Sorry about that. Oh, I haven't done the weather report. Look at that blue sky. Hang on, I'm going to get mixed up. Weather report and Telstar. I, I remember that. So what's happening now is a lot of people, as Brent said, in America, they can't have their teeth done. And people can't have their teeth done here. And I've read in newspaper and heard on the telly that people are pulling their own teeth out. If they're in that much pain, what can you do? You can't afford the dentist. To have a tooth out, he said to me, it's 200 quid. Well, a lot of people haven't got 200 quid to have a, a tooth out. You know, they've got to buy food, pay rent and stuff. So they get a pair of pliers and rip their own teeth out. I, I can't imagine doing that. I don't want to imagine doing that. It, oh, it sounds dreadful, doesn't it? Rip your own teeth out with a pair of pliers. But this is what's happening. People are having toothache, they're in pain, their teeth are decaying. What can they do? Now, at the hospital, we've still got all that. You don't go, well, people do go privately for one reason, is the waiting list. I'm waiting for physiotherapy on my knee and I was told it's going to be at least 14 weeks. I haven't heard anything. Where are we? About 10 weeks now? I've heard nothing. Presumably I'm going to get on the books or get an appointment at some stage. But it's just the sheer amount of people. I really am thinking of going privately. I don't know what it will cost. But you know, my knee isn't getting any better. It's swollen. And my calf, I've noticed sometimes, is swollen. And the pain is also up in my hip. So it needs something and I thought of going privately for physiotherapy because otherwise I'm just going to wait and wait and wait. So why is it like this? Well, the government keep ploughing millions and billions into the NHS, which doesn't seem to make any difference. So why are the waiting lists so long? Now, this is only my opinion. Back in the 50s and 60s, there were nowhere near as many people. As I've said before, there were nowhere near as many cars on the road. That's why the roads are all gridlocked now. It's hopeless. So back then, there weren't these huge waiting lists because were, the population was a, a lot smaller. Now, we've got millions, millions more people in the, in the UK and we haven't got lots more hospitals. In Worthing here, we've got our hospital. The one in Shoreham, half of it's closed. Uh, the next one nearest to us, I think, is Chichester. So at Worthing, there's an accident, an emergency. There isn't one at uh, no A&E at Southlands in Shoreham. I don't think there's A&E at Chichester either. So this is a one reason ambulances take so long to get anywhere is because of the traffic and they have to go miles. Really, if you've got to kind of double the population, you've got to double the hospitals, haven't you? I mean, is that simple? I've always said that things should be, or they are, simple if you work it out. I don't know what's wrong with politicians. For example, 
people cycling on the pavement, on the sidewalk, okay? They'll whiz along on full-size bikes, adults, this is. They shouldn't be on the pavement. And there have been some serious accidents where a pedestrian has got knocked over and ends up with life-changing injuries, all because the cyclist was on the pavement. Well, how do you stop cyclists going on the pavement? In my view, it's simple. It's a £5,000 fine if you are caught cycling on the pavement. Now, a lot of people surely will think, well, hang on a minute, I think I'll stick to the road because if I'm caught, I haven't got five grand. Stone the crows, it's going to break me. Surely that's a deterrent, isn't it? OK, a lot of you will be saying, oh, yeah, well, what if they can't pay the fine? Well, they owe it. It should be a debt. So when they go to get a mortgage or they go to get credit, it shows up. Oh, look, no, you're in you're five grand in debt. I'm not going to give you credit. I'm not going to give you mortgage. Look, you're already in debt. Surely that's simple, isn't it? It's not so much finding the people, it's the deterrent, isn't it? And it's the same with parking on the pavements. I mean, in the old days, in the 60s, you didn't park on the pavement. You know, a local copper would come along and you'd get nicked. These days, people just park where they like. They park on the corners of roads, pavements, all over the place. The double yellow lines, for those of you outside the UK, the double yellow lines along the, the curb, that means no parking, no parking at all. A single yellow line, I think, is you can't park there, but if you're unloading, then you can. Anyway, no one takes any notice of any of it. We've got uh, what we call traffic wardens in the UK. With all due respect to traffic wardens, from what I've seen, they hang around the town centre. None come out here where I am, just outside town, so people park where they like. Never see a traffic warden up my road. Why not? It's ridiculous. Oh, by the way, what the traffic wardens do, they go around booking cars that are parked illegally. That's the idea. As I say, they're all around the town. So that's all a waste of time. These things should be nipped in the bud. I think this is the problem. When people started to park on the pavement, another news flash, here we go. I don't know what that is. As soon as people started parking on pavements, it should have been nipped in the bud. You know, the law should have come down heavily. You're not doing that. Because it was largely ignored, obviously people thought, oh, well, park on the pavement. Now everyone does it. Well, not everyone. I don't. I don't park on the pavement. As I say, all these things, if they've been dealt with, the minute it started, cycling on the pavement, parking on the pavement, stop it there and then, it wouldn't have got to the stage it has now where it's just a nightmare. Let's move on to the weather. It's 11 centigrade which is what 51 did I I can't remember what I looked up now <laughs> I think it said 51 11 centigrade uh, 11 o'clock Friday morning bright sunshine really lovely sunshine as we've had for the last couple of days a little bit of wind from the west the barometer's saying 1001 millibars so the pressure we need high pressure that's when you get the good weather isn't it bit of high pressure so we're not doing too badly at the moment it's got a lot cooler recently but of course, people aren't turning on their heating because of all this cost of living crisis and stuff that's going on. I try to keep up with it all on the news and stuff. But to, to be honest, the last, well, I used to try to keep up with it. I can't be bothered anymore. There's so much rubbish going on that I don't bother with it. But at least we got the sun shining, which is nice. And Telstar was by the tornadoes. I had the record. I used to play it every time on my pirate radio station, whenever I went on the air. That was my signature tune. Telstar by the Tornadoes. I couldn't remember. <laughs> it must be old age. Oh dear, stone the rooks. I had another station I called Radio Channel, as in the English Channel. That was a bit daft. I was also part of a, a little group that ran Radio Focus on Medium Wave back in the 60s. That was quite good. Uh, was it? Hocus Pocus by Focus, that record, that was the signature tune, if I remember rightly. There were loads of radio stations around, all that, you know, the land-based ones, all the pirates. And uh, they all came on Sunday mornings because a lot of people worked six-day week, you know, Monday to Saturday. Oh, I've just heard something talking about a six-day week. Uh, the postmen are going on strike again. And I, I read somewhere, I don't know how true this is, but they don't want to work Saturdays. I think they don't want Saturday deliveries anymore. Now, I've said before, haven't I, in the 40s and earlier, there was the morning post, the midday post, the afternoon post and the evening post. So you had four deliveries of your letters a day. Four. Now we've got one. 
And now they want to do away with Saturday deliveries, or so I've read. As I say, don't quote me on that. I'll have to check that. But uh, I don't know what's happening. Everything's falling apart in the UK. Well, mind you, it's also, it's around the world, isn't it? I've heard that in America, the interest rates are high or whatever, and the cost of living has gone mental. So it's not just us. The whole world's gone mental. We've just had a new uh, broadband internet box, whatever it is, and we've now got one gig down, gigabyte down, and what is uh, 50 meg up. And to be honest, I haven't really noticed any difference. I suppose if you're doing films and stuff, it's all right. But it just made me think back to the old days in the 60s. If we didn't have internet, we didn't have download and upload and all that nonsense. <laughs> and I saw something the other day on uh, Twitter. Someone had said, in the old days, we didn't, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, we didn't go and take a photo of our dinner, take the film into the chemist, have it developed. A week later, you pick it up and make copies and take it all around to your friends. Look, there's my dinner. So why do people show their dinner on, uh, on Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff? What's happening with Twitter? You know, I'm always on about Twitter because I, I have a look on there to see what's going on. Is Elon Musk going to close it down? I've heard that he's got rid of some staff and uh, the news this morning here in Britain, anyway, the news is that Twitter might close altogether. So I don't, I don't know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not sure. I don't quite know what's going on with Elon Musk. All I know is he's got a little bit more money than me. Only a bit. <laughs> Dear. He's got a lot of money, hasn't he? I've got some notes here. I don't know what they say because I can't read my own writing. Oh, that says the weather and Telstar. So we've done that, haven't we? Now, what's next? Thanks for all your emails. If you want to contact me, it's raiserants at protonmail.com. Raiserants, or one word, at protonmail.com. Be good to hear from you. And I am, I've said before, I'm taking longer and longer to reply to emails now because I'm getting so many. Um, and it is it just takes so much time to reply to everyone. I don't want to miss any out. If I have missed your email, if I haven't answered, I do apologise. But I'm getting so many now that it's getting quite a, a task, actually quite a feat to uh, to get through answering them all. But I do enjoy reading them, so keep them coming. I've just been down to the kitchen to make myself a cup of coffee and Trish is doing some cooking for Christmas. I know I shouldn't be mentioning Christmas yet. It's only, where are, what is the date? 18th of November. And she's doing these uh, like beetroot flan things, like pies. Fantastic. She's a brilliant cook. <laughs> I had to make my coffee quickly and get out of the way. The last thing I want to do is interrupt the food making process. So I've got my coffee and come back to the air conditioned high tech studio. One email that caught my eye from Ruby. Hello, Ruby. Nice name. Uh, where are you? You're in the UK. She's what? Oh, yeah, she's 25, 25 years old. Doesn't know what the 60s were like, let alone the 50s. <laughs> she says, what did you do in the evenings? Well, I have talked about this, Ruby. We we went to the pub. Basically, it was pub. She also mentioned restaurants and stuff like that. Did you go out? I think I mentioned that last week, didn't I? Basically, what we did was go to the pub or... Most people had a hobby. Do you know, a lot of people these days don't have hobbies. My hobby was radio, of course. So if I wasn't in the pub, I was in my shed, playing about with radio equipment, talking to people on the radio, putting up aerials, stuff like that. So that, that's what I did, go down the pub or sit in the shed. But there are also nightclubs locally that we used to go to, a crowd of us would, after work, we'd say, right, we'll meet down the so-and-so pub tonight, eight o'clock. Then we'll go on to the club at nine. Ruby's basic sort of question is, wasn't it boring back then? No, it wasn't. Because she's saying you know, there was no telly on in, in the day and there was only, was it one or two channels? And she says that you know, from what I've said in the past about the old days, it must have been extremely boring. It wasn't boring. OK, yeah, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have computers. But we didn't get bored. Kids would go over to the woods. As I've said, I was always over the woods after school. When I left school and went to work, I was going to say I was always in the pub. Well, actually, I did go to the pub a lot. It, it was a, a meeting place. People didn't go to the pub. This is going to sound silly. People didn't go to the pub to drink. They went there to meet other people, meet their friends and, and chat. Yes, you'd have beer as well or whatever your, your tipple was, but it wasn't a case of going to the pub because, oh, I need alcohol, got the DTs and I'm shaking. 
It was going to the pub to meet people, meet your friends, have a chat, talk about what was on telly or what's at the cinema. A lot of people, of course, went to the cinema back then. I know they still do now, but back then it was a lot cheaper to go to the cinema. There are a lot of films on, all the the stuff like the carry-on films, loads of films, I won't name them all, but every week there were different films on. I think, how many cinemas did we have in Worthing? There was the Rivoli, the Odeon, the Plaza. There was another one, I can't remember that. In Lansing, just down the road, there was the Luxor. There were cinemas everywhere. Now I think we've got, what have we got now? We've got one, we've got the Connaught and another one. I don't know, I don't go down the town, I hate it. So no, we weren't bored, Ruby, at all. We did things, you know, we were out. We were either doing hobbies, allotments, and that was another thing. The older people had their allotments. What an allotment is, they're still going strong these days. In fact, there's such a demand for them, there's a queue. You have to wait a year for an allotment. What it is, it's a, basically, it's a, an allotted piece of land that you rent and you can grow your vegetables and stuff on it. And there's a whole, not far from me, there's a whole field which is divided up into allotments. And each chap on his allotment, he's got his little shed where he keeps the tools and stuff. And he grows his, you know, his fruit and vegetables, whatever. And it's great. Of course, back then, a lot of people had allotments, as they do now. So that kept people busy. I don't ever remember being bored as a child or as I came into adulthood. I don't think any of us got bored. There was always stuff going on. It wasn't only men that had allotments. In fact, I know uh, two two women uh, personally that have got their allotment. They go digging and stuff on the allotment. Great fun. So it wasn't just the men. Another cinema in town, which is still there, was the Dome. That used to <laughs> that used to be known as the Flea Pit. We go down to the Flea Pit, and then of course in the sixties, the the bowling alley opened down uh, near the seafront. So that the bowling alley there that had a, a bar and a big car park above it, like a multi-storey car park. So people would go bowling. I went a few times, but it wasn't my thing. Too energetic for me. I'd rather sit on the bar and eye the barmaid. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, should I? Yes, I should. I can say what I like. Anyway, that so that was good. The Dome. There was Saturday morning cinema for the children. Obviously, the kids didn't go to school at the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So they had the Saturday morning pictures for kids. And again, that wasn't my thing. I, my my mum sent me down there a couple of times. I didn't like it. Yeah, you know, she gave me half a crown. Go on, go to the pictures. Get out of my way. And I go down there. And I didn't like it. I didn't want to sit in the cinema. It's Saturday morning. The woods. Oh, more Morse code. The woods were beckoning. The farm, the fields, the haystacks. Great fun in the woods. I didn't want to sit in a smelly cinema with a load of kids. Even now. People of my age, I hear them saying, oh, bored. Bored? Why? You're retired, you know, early 70s. If you've got your health, which uh, I have and most of the people I know have, get out and do something. Just get out and do something. I mean, look at the weather today. It's nice. Have a walk in the countryside. Have a walk down the beach if you like the beach. This afternoon, we're going to our club. We try to go every Friday to our club and I have a couple of pints of London Pride. There we are, London Pride. That's a nice beer. And Trisha has a, a gin. Is it a grapefruit gin or something? <laughs> and we just have a chat with a few people there. Only for an hour. We go about half past four. Get back about half past five. Then have dinner. Then see what's on telly. It's great. There was a chap on telly the other day. They were talking about pubs. They reckon in uh, Britain there are 50 a week closing. That's quite a lot, isn't it? 50 every week. So that's 200 a month. And they're closing because... I suppose many reasons, the price of electricity and gas for the heating, the beer's going up, everything's going up, plus people have got less money to spend so you don't go to the pub. So the pubs are going out of business, which is such a shame because especially village pubs, they're the heart of the village, aren't they? Even in towns, the pub is the kind of heart of the community or used to be before they turn them all into dreadful eating places. I don't like that. I like a proper pub. But of course, they can't make the money. More and more people are drinking at home, having friends round or going around other people's houses, especially in the summer, have a barbecue, sit in the garden with a few beers. People just don't want to sit in a pub anymore. But our club, we, you know, we like to try and keep that a regular thing if we can. It helps them and it's rather nice. It's only up the road. It takes five minutes to walk there. We don't make it every Friday. You know, I'm not walking up there if it's pouring with rain. <laughs> I should do. I know I should put a decent 
raincoat on or something. So we're off there this afternoon. But some people, as I was saying, they, they say, oh, I'm bored. I don't know, don't know what I'm going to do this weekend. We've got nothing planned. Get out in the garden or something or, I don't know, do something. Honestly, some people, quite a few of the emails I get are saying, you know, weren't you bored back then without the mobile phones, etc.? It's difficult to describe life without something, um, you know, when, when you've got it. It's like me saying now, you can't imagine not having the internet, can you? Your phone, your computer, your laptop, whatever. You can't imagine being without that if you're young. I suppose the thinking is, what would I do? I'd sit in my bedroom, what would I do? There's one channel on telly, BBC, and that's it. There's no daytime telly. There's no phone. There's no internet. What happens? You can't You can't sort of relate. It's, it's difficult to understand unless you've been there like I have. I also get a lot of emails saying, was it quieter then? Was there not the rat race then? Were things calmer? They were. Things, as I said last week, things weren't all rosy in the garden. You know, they weren't all nice. There, some of them were dreadful times. A lot of people didn't have much money. A lot of people didn't have a telephone at home. Let, you know, forget your mobile. They didn't have a landline at home. They didn't have a car. A lot of people didn't have tellies in the 50s. Not every house had a television, had a radio, a wireless and a piano. Of course, if you go back further, every house had a piano. So you gather around the piano and all sing doing the Lambeth Walk or so, something. I remember my grandmother playing that. And we all had to sing doing the Lambeth Walk. I don't. <laughs> I mean, looking back, it uh, it was fun at the time, but looking back, it's I don't know. I don't think I want to do that again. But no, there there wasn't the rat race. There there wasn't everyone looking at the clock all the time. Oh, I've got to go here. I've got to go there. We're doing this. We're doing that. It seems I'm always saying to Trish, I look forward to having just one day where I can stay in my radio room and not go out, or just stay at home in the summer, just stay in the garden. We haven't got to go here. We haven't got to go to the post office or we haven't got to go here or there or whatever. Just one day where we can stay at home. And, you know, seriously, we have very few days where we just stay at home with nothing planned. There's always stuff going on. And if we do get a day, we were going to go uh, yesterday to the wetlands over Arundel, the wildfowl wetlands place, because it's fantastic there. And they've just advertised. Now, this will put you off. <laughs> You'll like this. A vegan pasty, £5.25, vegan pasty. Now, I'm not vegan. I just don't eat meat. I'm sort of vegetarian, if you like. I'm not vegan. But we thought we'd try... I mean, Trish eats meat. I don't. But we thought we'd both try this vegan pasty thing, just out of interest. I have tried... Oh, yeah, I tried a vegan pizza. And the cheese, the vegan cheese, it was edible. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could go without eggs, cheese and milk, my cheese and pickle sarnies. I can't do without a cheese and pickle sandwich for lunch. Good grief, what would I do? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we were going to go Thursday, then we didn't. What happened yesterday? We went to the post office, we went to Shoreham. I had to pick up some radio stuff. And then today I said, should we go to the wetlands? And Trish said, no, I'm doing some Christmas cooking, so I'm not going to interrupt that. Mince pies. Oh, here we go. More Morse code. Christmas pudding. Christmas cake, sausage rolls and all that stuff. Um, I, I get the vegetarian ones. They're nice. She makes me the vegetarian ones. They're really nice. She does the meat ones as well for other people. And she's got to buy, what has she got to buy? Turkey, uh, beef. I think she's got to buy some beef so people can have cold, is it cold beef on Boxing Day or whatever they do. So there'll be a good selection of food as long as I keep out of the kitchen. Christmas in the 50s when I was a child absolutely fantastic time because it often snowed not on necessarily Christmas day but in the winter it snowed either before or just after Christmas and of course kids love the snow it was great it was Christmassy I don't know what it is now it may be my age it may be because I'm older now but it was Christmassy then there was more of a feel of what's that record it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas Do you know that one it was it felt like Christmas whereas now I hear a lot of people say, oh, I don't know, Christmas next week doesn't feel like Christmas, does it? It doesn't. Is it because it's warmer now? There's not the, the snow and the ice and the blizzard <laughs> and people lighting their coal fires. That was all good fun. It was cosy. All the decorations. People don't have the decorations anymore, do they? 
I remember hanging paper chains all over the ceiling, you know, from the centre light to the picture rail. You'd make your own, wouldn't you? Gluing them all together, all the kids in their bedrooms, gluing all these paper chains together and unfolding these big things that would hang from a drawing pin in the ceiling. <laughs> you know, we used to plaster the house with decorations, whereas now there's sort of a tree and perhaps a log and a, uh, an empty wine bottle with some LED lights in it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's the, the decorations. No, seriously, it's it doesn't, it must be my age. It just doesn't feel Christmassy anymore. Trish does make our home Christmas. Well, I say she does, we do. But at the moment, she's playing Christmas music. She always does that. When Can you hear that? Pots and pans bashing around. I like it. That means a lot of food is on the way. <laughs> but I mustn't delve into it now. She puts it in the freezer, so I can't get at it. But uh, whenever she does the Christmas cooking, she puts on all the Christmas music, which is great. It's, uh, she loves it. I like it. I do like Christmas. It's just... I like it when it's gone because that means that the spring is on the way. At our club, they're doing a New Year's Eve party. We normally stay in the last few years. We've stayed in on New Year's Eve uh, because I'm a miserable old stick in the mud. <laughs> no, I'm not, but I am. So this year we're going up to our club. I think Trisha's sister and her husband, they're coming with us and they're going to stay here because it's around the corner from the house. So they're going to sleep here because there won't be any trains and you don't want to drive because that means you can't have a, a vat of wine and a keg of beer. <laughs> so that should be good fun. We've booked our tickets. I think they've got some live entertainment there or something. I shall sit in the corner and sulk because it's too loud. What's that noise? <laughs> and then, oh no, don't. I say after Christmas, look forward to the spring in February. Where are we going? Yes, you guessed it, Butlins. A Butlins music weekend. Oh dear, Stone the Crows, how I look forward to that. <laughs> I go because Trish loves it, her sister loves it, and the hus us husbands go because the wives like it, and there's another couple coming with us, they like it, so I don't know, I put up with it. It's only a Friday, Saturday and Sunday night, so we go Friday and we're back Monday. I can sort of put up with that. What I do like is Hotham Park in Bognor, there's a lovely cafe, so we go over there for Sunday morning breakfast. That's the bit I look forward to. And also a walk along the seafront, perhaps uh, lunch in a pub somewhere. It's just the evenings that I have to endure, that dreadful loud music. And uh, I mean, that's what we pay for. We're going there for the music, and that's the bit I hate. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, no. It's February, it's all right. I, I mustn't think about butlins. Think about the spring. The daffodils coming up, the buds coming out and the flowers and the sun. And then summertime, of course, my favourite time of the year. Talking of entertaining and things, people don't have dinner parties anymore. Do you remember the dinner parties? They were really popular, what, 70s, 80s? You'd invite people around for dinner and it was, I don't know, I've never been to a dinner party. Oh, yes, I did once. Yeah, once we went to this couple that we knew and it was awful. No, twice. twice. Oh, there was this other chap. We went, him and his wife said, come and have a, a dinner with us. We're having a dinner party. We thought there'd be several people there. This is in the, what, 80s. And it was just us two and him and his wife. And it was awful. We sat at this big table in their dining room. There was no music. It was quiet. Conversation was forced. And his wife kept bringing out different dishes and things stuff that I didn't like, and it was a, dread, a dreadful evening. The other one we went to, that was a friend of mine who's a train driver. Him and his wife were in the process of splitting up. Why they had a dinner party? Again, it was only the four of us, and that was all very awks, very awkward, dreadful. Sat there in silence most of, most of the evening, and we left early. Oh, we've got to go, something about the babysitter, we've got to get back. <laughs> Uh, but people don't have dinner parties anymore, do they? We have people round, mainly family and perhaps one or two close friends, especially in the summer. We have people round, we'll say, right, you know, this Saturday, this Sunday, if the weather's nice, we're going to sit out in the garden, have some food and drinks. That's quite good. But we don't have dinner parties anymore. Well, I, I never did. I think we did try once, actually thinking about it back in the 70s, 
Yes, we did arrange a dinner party. I remember we asked about eight people, so there would have been kind of ten of us all together, and half of them didn't turn up. I don't know why they didn't contact us. They didn't turn up. We're just thinking, this is a disaster. We'd made all this food and all the preparations, and it ended up, I think there were just four four or five of us there. That's right, because one, one woman was on her own. She'd split up from her husband. We invited her because we felt sorry for her. She's on her own. So she sat there sad, <laughs> and it was dreadful. Uh, a dinner party is not my thing, but uh, I don't think people do that these days. Do you remember the Echo Hostess? back? That was the 70s, wasn't it? Like a big trolley that you wheel in, and it plugs into the, the PowerPoint on the wall, and it keeps the food warm. The Echo Hostess, I mean, it was dreadful. We had one years ago, never used it, got rid of it in the end. It was more of a palaver than worthwhile. You know, by the time you've plugged the thing in and it's warmed up and then you've got to get the food out, oh, I can't be bothered with all that. What we, <laughs> what we do sometimes, if we're going to the club with uh, Trissa's sister and her husband, the four of us will have a takeaway. We go to the club, have a couple of beers, get back here, either get some chips on the way back or order a Chinese or something like that and have that back here, which is quite nice because that way Trish hasn't got to do any cooking. But in the old days, yeah, there were these dinner parties. I think, as I said, people, there were get-togethers at people's houses. There were parties, of course, for youngsters in the 60s, in the 60s, just about every weekend, someone was having a party. And, you know, that was great fun. We'd go around there with a, a big tin. You know, was it seven pints? Watney's Red Barrel or something. Uh, Watney's Seven, it was. No, Party Seven. Who remembers the Party Seven? This big tin can thing full of dreadful beer and double diamond and stuff like that. Baby Sham, Cherry Bee. But the parties were great. Yeah, that's where you could blast music, annoy the neighbours and meet some girls. Happy days. Another thing I really liked, go to the chip shop, get a load of food go to the off-licence, get a load of drink and go up the downs or the woods somewhere. Someone would bring some music, you know, some music gear and we'd all sit in the woods, blasting music, eating chips and whatever and drinking beer. And we'd stay there all night. This is in the summer, obviously. We'd stay there all night. And that was great fun. Of course, drive home the next day, you know, you wouldn't drive home after all the beers. We'd just either sleep in the woods or just stay awake all night. I mean, I couldn't do that now. Imagine if I stay awake all night, I'd need three weeks rest afterwards. <laughs> but then it was great. So Ruby, no, we weren't bored at all. We always had stuff to do, always things going on. And of course, cars. All the youngsters had cars and at the weekends you're working on your car. You're fitting some music gear or putting a big aerial on the thing with a pirate flag on top to look good, fitting spot lamps on the front, gluing fur all over the dashboard, which looked awful. There was always stuff going on. I remember the police turning up one uh, one night. We were up in the woods. It was about midnight. We had a fire going. I mean, it was safe. You know, we weren't setting fire to the woods. We, it was safe. We had the fire going. But of course, the music... And the flames flickering, you know, obviously the cops became aware of it. And these two coppers came up in, um, is it, what was it, a Morris Thousand? You know, the panda cars, they called them, didn't they? And, you know, evening lads, what are you lot up to then? <laughs> I remember one of them saying, what are you smoking? And uh, I said, number six, because they were number six cigarettes. They were called number six. And he said, you sure? <laughs> yes, of course I'm sure. Yeah, they thought we were doing the cannabis or something. Anyway, they looked at the fire and they just said, yeah, well, be careful, don't set fire to the woods and uh, keep the music down to a reasonable level. And off they went. Yeah, it was good fun. It was good that they came to check, really. I mean, these days there's not a policeman in sight. You know, you rob the local bank, no one turns up. Now, I've got a bit of a dilemma here. It's just gone 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock is my lunchtime. That is when I have my non-vegan cheese and pickle sandwich. The trouble is, Trisha is cooking in the kitchen. If I go down there and disturb, it's difficult. I can't disturb her. I can't disturb the cooking preparation process, <laughs> the food preparation. On the other hand, I'm starved. What do I do? I'll go down there. I'll go and, what is it? Uh, dip your toe in the water. They say, I'll go and go to get a feel of what's going on. I'll kind of hover in the doorway and look at my watch. Oh, is it 12 o'clock already? I didn't realise. <laughs> 
I'll let you know how it went in a minute. Well, I've just had lunch and it's now Saturday, so the days are going fast. We did go to the club, very nice. Had a couple of beers up there and it wasn't too busy. It went about half four. Obviously, it gets busy in the evening, but it's rather nice just to sit there and have a chat with a few people. Excellent. The weather at the moment, where are we? It's now quarter past two Saturday afternoon. Clear blue sky, very cold though, very cold. Just been outside and it's about nine degrees. What's that in Fahrenheit? I don't know. You'll have to ask your Alexa. I won't say that too loud. So we really are now uh, dropping in temperature and heading towards the, the cooler winter. I wonder what sort of winter it's going to be. Is it going to be like a, when I was a child? Snow and ice. and <laughs> Do you remember all the snow we used to have back in the 60s? And then it would freeze. The temperature would drop and all the snow would freeze. And you'd get these big hard lumps of sharp ice all along the, the gutters or by the, the pavement, the sidewalk. Dreadful. And it would stay there for oh days and days. And then when the temperature did rise a little, it would all turn to slush. And it would all, it's dirty. All the cars were driving through this dirty slush. And oh dear me, roll on summer. We've got the coal fire going today in the dining room. Don't want to turn the heating on too much. We spent, what was it? Uh, had a look earlier, can't remember now. So far this month, I think it was £45 on gas. That's gone up, hasn't it? Stone the crows, £45 on gas. And it's um, 19th, 19th. That's in 19 days, 45 quid. So we've turned the heating on. Well, we didn't turn it on. We turn it on for about half an hour, first thing in the morning. But I'm reminded constantly, here we go. Here we go, you think it. When I was a boy, the inside of the windows had ice on them. <laughs> if you tell that to youngsters these days, if they say, oh, it's cold, you know, we have to have the heating on, it's freezing cold. Oh, when I was a boy, we had ice on. They just say, yes, I know, yes, shut up. We're not interested in when you were a boy with ice on the window. <laughs> Coal fire going in the, in the lounge and or the dining room, of course. No, it's lovely to have the coal fire, not as a, a main source of heat for the entire house, of course. We've got uh, fireplaces in, well, the, the dining room, the lounge, and two of the, the big bedrooms upstairs. In fact, where I am now, behind my table, I'm oh, sorry, my um, superior mixing desk <laughs> that I'm sitting at, there's a fireplace. And I have said to Trish many winters, I say to her, look, shall we light the fire in the bedroom? No. Nope. I don't want that. I don't want a coal fire in the bedroom. Flames flickering around the wall. I remember that because one house we had, oh, I uh, forget where that was. I did light the fire in the bedroom and it was lovely. You're in bed and you can see the, the yellow flicker of the flames all around the room. That's, that's the sort of thing I like about the good old days. I remember waking up in the morning, the fire had gone out, of course. The idea was that I put a little bit of coal on it during the night, but of course, didn't wake up and in the morning it's gone out but the tea was ready we had a goblin teas made do you remember those good grief they, they were dreadful well they weren't dreadful they were all right I suppose but a bit of a palaver you've got to set it all up the night before put the water in and everything get the little teapot there and what it would do it would pour the hot water out of the kettle part through a spout into the teapot so it is then ready to pour your tea you'd have your two cups but to be honest these days it's it's quicker just to pop down to the kitchen, we've got one of these boiler things. I forget what it's called. It's a, a hot boiler or something. And it's on all the time. It's on 24 hours a day. You just top it up with cold water now and then. Put your cup under it, press the button, and it fills the cup up with the boiling water. The teas made, I mean, they were good. It was also a clock on the front and a couple of lights. So it, was a, it would pour your tea. It would uh, show you the time. And it was also a bedside light. Did they do them with radio? No, I don't think it had a radio in it. I can't remember. But that's another thing, along with the Echo Hostess that I mentioned earlier. People had these gadgets and they really were state-of-the-art, you know, cutting-edge technology back in the... Now, when were the teas maids, the Goblin teas maids? I've an idea. I know that they were around in the early 60s. That could, you know, could even be the 50s. There's a museum at the back of Arundel, Amberley. Don't know whether you know it. Amberley Working Chalk Pits Museum. And they've got a whole electrical place there. Original vacuum cleaners, washing machines, cookers, all from, well, very, very, like 1920s and, well, older. 
and it's fantastic. There's this vacuum cleaner there. It looks like a cart that a horse would tow. It's got big wheels and it looks like you just want to put a horse on the front and it would go around delivering milk. And that is a vacuum cleaner. There's a huge motor in it. There's a, um, is that, I think there's a big pair of bellows. Oh, imagine taking that. Well, it wouldn't fit in the house. I don't know how they got it. It must have been for big houses. Yes, they'd use that in a country house, wouldn't they? Not a, a small terrace place. <laughs> and uh, the cookers there, these huge cast iron grey cookers with huge knobs on the front, clunk, clunk, turn the oven on. Again, back in the day, that was cutting edge technology, state of the art, got the latest cooker. I don't know, I just, it's strange. People will look back, of course, I often think this, people will look back in say 50, 100 years time and they will say, look at that, look what they had in 2022. Good great. look at the cars, look at the kitchen appliances they had and they'd laugh, they will laugh, won't they? Looking back uh, on these days, as we laugh, as I laugh, looking back at the, the stuff in the museum. There's a, a notice they've got up in the museum. It's an advert. Um, what is it? Don't don't let housework kill your wife. Do it with electricity or something. <laughs> let electricity. It doesn't mean kill your wife. You know what I mean? You get the joke? Use electrical appliances instead of mechanical stuff. Let electricity do it. I don't know. It's good fun. It's good that there are these museums with the old stuff in there. They've got a, an electrical shop in there. They've made a, a shop front exactly as it would have been back in, I suppose, 50s, 60s. And it's lovely to see in the, you look in the shop window and the old electric fires and kettles, electric irons, toasters, all this stuff from the 50s and beyond. Amazing. It's really good that people go to the trouble of looking after all this stuff and preserving it. They've also got their buses from, um, well, again, back 40s, 50s. There's one called a Tramo car, and it was used along Worthing Seafront here. Tramo car. It's a, a small bus. It's a weird-looking thing. And I've actually seen on television, on some of the old films, the old whatever they were, documentaries, you see this Tramo car going along Worthing Seafront. And the very one, the very same one, is in Ambley Museum. And we've been on it. It's actually working. They take people around on it. You can have a ride. And the old buses, you can go on the buses and things. It's interesting stuff. Also, it's lovely to see the youngsters there. OK, not, not teenagers of 16, 17, 18 maybe, but the younger children that parents take there, they love it all. They like looking at the old stuff. They, they go on the bus. There's a little miniature railway there that they go on. The railway there was used... Uh, for the lime, because it was a lime um, chalk, no, yeah, chalk pit, basically, where they made lime. They got the big uh, kilns and stuff like that. And the youngsters love it. Our grandchildren, you know, they all loved it till they got to about 12, 13. Then, especially the girls, they weren't interested anymore. <laughs> but it's nice to see families enjoying a family day out with the youngsters there. So, you know, there is something there for everyone. I mean, it's an advert now, isn't it? I'm advertising Amberley Museum. I, I should get commissioned from them. I'm always advertising things. And I don't get paid for it. <laughs> I'm going to end it here. I've had enough now. I expect you've had enough for me. Look at that blue sky. That is fantastic. I don't mind the cold weather. I don't mind really cold. As long as the sun's out. If it's rain and wind and all that nonsense, I don't like that at all. Well, I don't think anyone likes that. <laughs> the animals love the sun. Our rabbit, bless him, is still going. I just had a look at him earlier. He's outside in his big run and he's asleep in the sun. Lovely, with his fur coat on, of course. Right, I'm off. Hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed talking to you, as I always do. I shall see you on Wednesday for the midweek message and then, of course, the following Sunday for another rant and ramble about something else. Look after yourselves. Take care. Bye-bye for now.